the Love, Heal, Thrive podcast. I'm your host, Erin Gray, and today we are talking about what to do for healthy closure before a loved one dies and how to heal and process your own feelings after they've passed away. This is a hearty and full and I hope very helpful episode for you. Let's get started. Today is my mom's 15th angel birthday. If you are unfamiliar with that term, I actually coined that term almost a decade ago in my children's book, Angel Birthdays. An angel birthday is the day we lose a loved one. So it's the day that they become an angel. I felt like it offered something where there might have been something missing. We called it an anniversary, except that we have anniversaries for lots of things. And I felt like there needed to be a term that was really clear on when someone, the death date that maybe was a little bit softer and easier for younger children and families to adopt. I wrote a children's book called Angel Birthdays. And in this book, the family hosts a birthday party, but an angel birthday party. The children decide what decorations to choose to put up and they color a sign and they bake a cake. And then the present is actually memories for this memory box. So they run around the house and collect memories that all go within this box that's the present for the day. How this is helpful for all children and the children with the child within us is that it offers control during a time that feels seemingly out of control. Particularly for younger children, it allows them to control the color of the cake, the color of the decorations. It allows us to control those things when quite often Death is this in-your-face moment that we're really not in control and that there is a greater, bigger, more incredible plan awaiting us. We are always being blessed. And certainly our energetic vibration draws in our quality of life. However, we know before we ever even were born precisely how we are going to leave this life. And we may not know exactly when, but we will know how. Dolores Cannon's book, Between Death and Life, is an incredible research tool that really dives into this. She did past life regressions on a thousand clients. And within that past life regression, she actually had that body pass away and then was able to track and ask questions about the afterlife. And it is, if you are fascinated with the afterlife at all, I highly suggest reading or listening to this book. As we know, I don't read books, I only listen. So however that feels best to you, but it is called Between Death and Life. And in there, she confirms that we know exactly how we are going to leave this life before we ever even enter it. But even in knowing that, it doesn't necessarily make our feelings feel better when our loved one passes away. We still grieve and go through the process of grief when someone passes away. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about a little bit of my firsthand experience on there and my recommendations, and then just what I've learned through my grief ministry training and tools that are helpful before someone passes away, as well as tools that are helpful afterwards. So what do we do for a healthy closure? So when my dad passed away, he was very ill. He was in the ICU and this incredible nurse came out. I swear her name tag probably said angel on it. (laughs) I don't doubt. 
But we were all sitting in this waiting room and she said the most incredible advice. She told us to go in one by one. At this point in time, he was sedated, so he wasn't really responding to us. But she told us to go in one by one and tell him and have this clearing conversation. She said, tell him you're sorry for everything that you feel sorry for. Tell him that you forgive him for everything that you might think that he needs to feel forgiven for. I thought this was actually such a powerful aspect to offer that forgiveness here in this space so that you kind of are managing both sides of that conversation to tell them that you love them and anything else that needs to be cleared, this like fully clearing conversation. And then at the end to give permission and to say, it's okay for you to go on. It's okay for you to move on and for you to die or for you to rise up, however you want to phrase that, but to offer that permission. And so each of us did that. Each of us went in and, and she said, you know, he can hear you. Even though he's not responding, he can hear you. It was this ridiculously healthy closure for every single one of us. So we all went in individually and said those four things and took all the time that we needed to apologize and to forgive and to love and appreciate everything about our experience together through this lifetime. And it was so, so powerful and so clearing and so healthy that then when we had to make life choices for him, we all felt prepared and ready to do that. And it felt like it was time, there was peace, there was love, and it made that transition time for our whole family powerful and so poignant. So I cannot recommend enough for you to do that. If you have a family member who's in ICU or is not communicating, take that time. And certainly if they can communicate, take that time. But to have that clearing conversation makes all the difference in the world after the fact, because then you know that you've said what you needed to say. And if there is a sudden death, you can, you can still do that. They can still hear you. They're in spirit. They can hear you. Or if you don't feel comfortable talking, you can write a letter and offer that up. There's so many different ways to communicate these feelings. I think what's important is that you come to that realization and you come to that closure within your own mind and heart. And my mom was also in the hospital and she passed away, but in her circumstance, she was awake. But there came a time where it wasn't as appropriate to have visitors. And, and so we actually had my husband standing at the door like a bouncer. He could be a bouncer too. He's very strapping. And, uh, and we gave him a journal and to make it easier to deny access to her, He said, you know what, it's kind of past that time, but here, here's this journal. Why don't you go ahead and write out anything and everything you need to say? So offering another version of this clearing conversation for people, but in book form. And then we promised that we would read to her and which in fact, then we did. And it became this really beautiful time for everyone when at night, when it was late, 
We would just read the pages and pages of love and gratitude and appreciation for her that she got to hear. And we got to read. We got to hear it, too. We got to hear how people saw her through their eyes. And that alone was such a gift of closure and love and appreciation for all of us. So if you have someone that is in a hospice or is in the hospital and there there comes this time, I cannot encourage you enough to offer up the clearing journal for your friends and family because it becomes this treasured token for you and your family for years to come as you are healing your grief. And those are two incredible ways to bring closure if you have a loved one that is passing away. Another incredible thing that I cannot encourage you enough, we're going to talk about regret a lot during this episode. And one of the things that I regret so much is not documenting my mom's stories. And it doesn't have to be fancy. It can be a voice memo you can certainly record them, but, you know, maybe sometimes they get nervous about being on camera. So just start up a conversation and let them know that you're going to voice memo it. But find out the stories, especially living history. So my daughter is doing a history report on the desegregation of the South. And my mom was one of the very first schools where that happened. And her stories were so incredible And I can only tell what I remember of it. And I wish more than anything, I had those life stories to share and to tell. And they're so powerful. So if you have living history that exists within your family, you can begin there. They, of course, want to share and tell. But to then tell the family stories and the the funny tales and the jokes and the things that you want to have live on. Encourage your loved one to tell those stories and allow that to be told through their voice because there is nothing more precious than to hear their firsthand experience. But if you didn't, if they've passed away and you're healing your grief and listening, my heart is going out to you. And this too shall pass. And just take it day by day. And I can tell you after my mom died for an entire year, I had pink eye and I went to the Western doctor. I went to the Eastern doctor in TCM, traditional Chinese medicine. They call pink eye liver fire, that our liver is so inflamed and so full of emotion and anger and resentment that it is on fire so much that it is seeping through our eye. But I put eye drops in from the Western doctor. I took herbs from the Eastern doctor and nothing would make this go away until I went to a Reiki session and the practitioner gave me an Orosoma bottle. And the Orosoma bottles are this combination of plant and crystal and water and oil. And each of them has a different theme and a different purpose of how it heals. And it heals the emotion of the body. And this was all about self-love. It was a beautiful pink bottle. And it was all about self-love. And my affirmation with that was, I am worthy of giving and receiving. Because at that point in time, I was giving to everyone, trying to take care of everyone without taking care of myself. And... The cruelest thing of all being 
ridiculing myself for how I was grieving and that I was grieving and, you know, the impact of my mom's death on our family and on me was so powerful. She was my best friend and it was such a poignant and challenging time. And yet I was so critical of my own self through that time period that I was giving myself liver fire. Like that's how critical I was being. But the fascinating thing is after a year, it almost took a whole year for that, I put it on every single day. And no sooner had I finished that bottle, I put on the last dose of that bottle onto my body and said my affirmation, my pink eye was gone. And it has never in 15 years come back. And there was a moment, maybe like a month or two after that bottle finished, where I felt like I started to put myself down. And I said to myself, nope, you know what? We don't talk to ourselves like that anymore. <laughs> we, don't, we don't talk to Aaron like that anymore. And it was this moment of, and let me know in the comments down below. I know you do a lot of work, a lot of spiritual work, a lot of personal growth. And there are these moments, these nuggets, and I know you know what I'm talking about, where you see how much you've grown and you're like, whoa, look at that. Like, I've totally grown. I don't put myself down anymore. Yay me. <laughs> I know you know what I'm talking about. Let me know down below where you have found yourself in those moments of growth and appreciation for yourself and all your hard work because it, it is hard work. And healing from grief is really hard and challenging work. And it sets us up for preparation for what you were meant to do next. And with both my mom and my dad's passing, I went to a grief group after both of them because I needed, I knew I needed support. I knew I needed to heal. And in both circumstances, I didn't really have the support group set up around me that could, that could support me. So I, I joined just a public group. And it was the best thing I ever could have done. And one of the things that they taught us in both groups was that we must, in order to heal our grief, you must tell your story over and over and over again. I'm going to say that again. In order to heal your grief, you must tell your story over and over and over again. That means telling your story over again. It means journaling. It means joining a healing group to talk about your story because as we talk about it, we begin to become desensitized. We burned through the pain so that we allow that experience to integrate and raise our energy level, our energy frequency up to a healing frequency so that we can then use that experience to continue on and to help in a way that honors them, to live in a way that honors them, and for us to then continue on in this next chapter of our life. So keep talk, talk, talking. <laughs> it is so, so important. And journaling too. It doesn't always have to be a, another human being that we talk to. We can also just journal and write out those feelings and allow that energetic integration so that we can then elevate to our next level. So I found this really interesting article written by Pathways that's a part of Sequoia Hospital, and I'll include the link down below. But it says, how to handle regrets after a loss. And I feel like I am 
experiencing that a lot, even just with sending my daughter off to college. I know several episodes I did all the ways that grief shows up in our life. I'll include that one down below as well. One of which was sending our children off to college. And I feel like when I read this, so many of these questions I felt like resonated with me in that regard too. So number one, it says regret is one of the biggest and most common emotions a person can experience after losing someone. On top of the pain of the actual loss, the feelings of regret come rushing through, making even the strongest of us ask, what else could I have done? Why didn't I do more? Why didn't I treat them better? Why didn't I say what I needed to say? So if you listen to the first part of this, the directions given in the first part of this podcast, you won't have to ask that last question. (laughs) Why didn't I say what I needed to say? So if you have your clearing conversation, my hope is for you that you at least can eliminate that question of regret. It is such a powerful and poignant way to bring closure, and then it offers this solution to regret. So what is guilt versus regret, right? Those are two very different things because guilt itself is the feeling we get when we do something we know is wrong while we are actually doing it. Where regret is what we experience when we look back on something we did and realize, eh, maybe we should have handled the situation differently or done more or said more, done more, tried different things. And I think having a spiritual practice as you go through grief, I mean, I I know that grief creates a spiritual practice because you trust and know everything happens in the perfect divine way at the perfect divine time. We can only live in this victim state of regret for so long, and then we can begin to hand it over to our divine source and allow and know everything happens in the perfect divine time, in the perfect divine way, and we offer that up and know we are not held responsible. Again, they knew exactly how they were going to die before they ever embodied into this life. So knowing that plan I think often allows us to release that responsibility, trusting and knowing this was all planned out. And guess what? You helped plan it too, because soul groups travel together before we embody and put together this perfect plan for what we need to learn while we are here on earth. And you experiencing this was part of it. And them dying in the way that they died was as well part of the plan This article goes on to offer a few tips on dealing with regret. And so first they say, talk about what you regret saying and doing. It's important to be honest about what it is you have regretted. It's helpful to write down those feelings, whether on a journal or piece of paper or something you can burn or crumple it up after the fact. Again, talk, talk, talk. You have to tell your story over and over again, including the things that you regret You lost your temper or said something you didn't mean to say, trusting and knowing everything happens in perfect divine time in the perfect divine way. But you can also clear that, cleanse that. I love burning things. I put that on my Instagram a lot. (laughs) I will write things out and burn them all the time. In fact, I have a bucket that is dedicated to burning. I always keep a glass of water nearby. I was a Girl Scout, so I, I burn with a responsible glass of water in case anything were to get out of hand. But I love writing and burning. There's something that feels so therapeutic 
about writing things on a piece of paper that you need to clear and burning them. So I would very much recommend a regret burn. (laughs) If you were struggling after someone had passed away with that you needed to do more because you didn't, everything happens in the perfect divine way in the perfect divine time. Don't worry about time lapse. You may feel regret about the loss of a loved one that happened this week or the loss of a loved one that happened 10 years ago. Understand there is no time limit on grief and regret. You have a right to your emotions, whether they're fresh or longstanding. It's never too late to start working on the recovery process. When you bring your words and actions into the light of day, you can start handling those regrets that have been haunting you. Absolutely bring it into the light, whether you write it out and burn it, whether you journal it, or just begin to process and think about it. Or you can even offer that up in meditation on my YouTube channel. I know I'm always sending you there, but there's a lot of great resources there. There are incredible grief healing meditations that offer you the opportunity to send your regrets up to the sun, send your regrets, burn them up in the fire, releasing, letting them go. So if you don't like writing, that's okay. You can also do this in meditation and allow this to clear in an incredibly meditative and passive way. See yourself as human. I know, crazy, right? (laughs) But see yourself as human. Once you are able to get an outlet for your emotions, you will finally be able to view yourself as what you are, a fallible and fragile human being. We all make mistakes. We all say things we don't mean to say. And we can offer ourselves the same compassion and forgiveness we're looking to offer to them and to know we make mistakes and they make mistakes. No one is perfect. And when we can, we don't have to make them this perfected person after they've died. It's okay. And we also don't have to be angry. There's a lot of healing that can happen by you. It's called etheric plane communication. When we bring them into our mind and we talk to them, we are talking directly to their spirit. And to be honest, I have healed so much with my parents that way in having this etheric plane communication, EPC, talking to them, healing my heart, their heart, forgiving each other, drawing in a lot of compassion and allowing that improved relationship to guide my life rather than leaving it broken, regretful, and upset. And we can use the word maybe to answer a lot of things. (laughs) And, And the word maybe draws in a lot of healing. We don't have to have the answer. We don't have to have the specific answer. Maybe the person was ill. Maybe they were mentally ill. Maybe you were ill or hangry that day. Maybe it was just a misunderstanding. Maybe each of you were in a tough place. You can go through this list of maybes. And what maybe does is it opens up this door to possible healing. Maybe it was this. Maybe it was this. It begins to massage a route to healing. It massages this path to heal for your heart that maybe this is what was happening. You know, everything is not black and white. There's a thousand different ways to do things. There's a thousand different ways to think about things. And when we can begin that process with the word maybe, it is a powerful and empowering process. 
I wrote a whole blog on this. I will include that link down below on the word maybe. I highly encourage you, if you are grief healing, implement this word into your vocabulary beginning today. It offers so much healing and expansion for your heart to begin to open up and have more compassion for yourself and for them. My final advice for today, my final piece of advice for today is to remember that you did some things right. Remember what you did right instead of focusing on what you did wrong, right? That is spiritual guidance 101 about your life even now. You want to focus on what you want to bring more of into your life and in your reflection, focus on the things that you did really well. Of course, you can focus on the few things that might not have gone right. But my bet is you did a lot of things good and you did a lot of things right and you brought a lot of joy and love. And as we focus on that joy and love, you bring more joy and love and closure and healing into your own heart. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. It is such a poignant episode and full of so much heart and compassion and forgiveness all about death and regret. And there's no reason to live your life in regret. My hope is you implement a few of these tools today so you can begin to live a life that feels freer and full of love and compassion. And of course, loving yourself enough to heal and healing yourself enough to thrive. Take care. Thank you.